Hello and welcome to another episode of Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We are back at it. CK coming in hot from Bandon Dunes, from Carmel High Girls basketball practice. I'm still in my sweaty, you know, practice stuff. Like, uh, you got to want it. <laughs> and we want it. We're here. Let's go. <laughs> We want it because we have not been on air for two weeks. Or I guess we skipped last week is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, it was a bit of a hectic time for both of us, probably more so for you than it was for me. So why don't you tell all the listeners what have you been up to? (laughs) Well, it was the the annual uh, Uncle Tony Invitational, which, of course, is put together by Matt Janella, my um, co-partner at the Fire Pit Collective and... I don't know how many years in a row this is. Um, I actually missed some in the early years because for whatever reason, Matt was scheduling it opposite the British Open and I just, I was I was busy with my day job, but maybe six years in a row, maybe seven, I don't know. And um, it's a great time. Obviously it was all over social media, but it's 28 dudes and it's just a ridiculous amount of fun. There's nowhere on planet earth like Bandon for a trip like that. You know, such so not only the great regulation courses we have all that fun stuff with the preserve and the punch bowl and shorties and um just the intimacy of everyone staying together and riding shuttles together and never having to leave the property it's really it's just such a special place and uh, so yeah that that was a, a great week of golf i mean i actually tried to wd twice because um, i'm trying to finish this mickelson book which is due you know in like 28 days but who's counting and um Oh my gosh. I know, but Matt wasn't having it. And so it was kind of like a nice, I I took my laptop and I did some typing, but I I just didn't try and fight it. And so it was like, it was a great kind of mental refresh after it's been a really crazy few months and uh, work-wise. So it was awesome. And now it's plunging back into real life, start a basketball season and um, kids and all that stuff. So um, what's going on in your world? Not a damn thing, to be honest. It's, uh, let's see, the LPGA just, uh, we had a week off. I did not go to Korea, which took place the week before last. Jin Young Ko reclaimed world number one, having won her third event in five starts. She's going crazy. Fourth event, fourth win of the season. Yeah, I, I actually played with her at the KPMG Women's PGA, um, you know, back in June, I guess it was. And... It was just one of those things where it's like, how are you not winning every single week? So pure. You know, like her is just so pure and just so simplistic. And so it was really, really awesome to see her, especially winning with, um, you know, in a playoff. That was that was pretty awesome. And I know it was, you know, talking to a couple of girls, it was, you know, a little bit intense because everyone usually when we fly overseas and go to asia we're probably all coming in on i don't know half a dozen flights or something like that at most it's a it's a shorter field i think this time there were maybe 45 or 50 girls that went and there were i think 30 or 35 klpga um players that were also in the field and this time everybody players and caddies and staff they did everything they could to have everybody fly in on one aircraft. Amazing. And I forget if they flew out of Seattle or SFO and it wasn't chartered. It was just like, no, everyone is taking this aircraft. And I mean, if I had gone, I would have, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have, but like a part of me is like, I would have thrown a stink. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry. 
I fly One World, and that is Sky Team. And <laughs> homie, don't play that shit. Your girl wants her miles. Um, and then after that, it was like a maybe a six hour bus ride because let's see, like let's say if you were flying into London, you for the most part, let's just pretend that all international flights would fly into Heathrow. And then if you wanted to fly throughout the UK, you would only be able to fly out of Luton, uh, which is another airport in London. Uh, that's how it is in, in Seoul. You fly into Incheon, which is one of the best airports in the world, hands down. And then you take a 45-minute bus ride to go domestically. And so it would have been like... That seems highly inefficient. I mean, I guess... Well, it, it's such there's so many international flights is the thing. And it like it's a ginormous airport and every single gate goes internationally. Um, Gimpo, which is the domestic airport, is like, you know, like half an hour away, but they have, you know, free shuttles all the time. And, you know, so you'd basically be flying from, I don't know, like like San Francisco to L.A. OK, um, so it's just a quick little puddle jumper, basically, you know, and everyone was piled into a bus and so you had to go on this like you know minimum 13 hour flight to get to a bus that's going to take you an additional six hours and so i i heard it was um you know these are these are beyond first world problems these are first class <laughs> problems where you're just like oh my god it was it's like a 45 minute flight and it took us six hours and it's like yeah that was the only way that they were willing to host the tournament because they wanted to keep everybody everybody in a bubble and so it was uh, pretty grueling. Then everyone had to go to the hotel, take a COVID test, regardless of vaccination status. And then they had to be quarantined in their hotel room until they received their negative test results. And then they were allowed to go to the golf course and the hotel. And that was it. Yeah, it seems like kind of a good week to skip, given all of that. But um... I'm sorry, you're getting free money. There's no cut. <laughs> You and and they're they're always world class events. Yeah, sure. um, IMG, which which runs all of our Asia events, they always put on a world class event. And I, I mean, I would have loved to have gone. To be honest, I was one of the alternates, and they ended up dissolving the alternate list at a certain point. And yeah, it I, I it, it's it's always a great event. And obviously, Korean food is where my family hails from. I love Korean food and. I, I just I love your I love going to Asia in the autumn. Yeah, it looked. I mean, there, it does seem to have kind of a super, um, just special like vibe and atmosphere. And I've always, you know, for sure, I haven't actually traveled extensively in Asia, and I've never been to Korea, and it's near the top of my my bucket list because everyone I know who goes there has a great experience. But I'm curious. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, not on this podcast though, like as a Korean American and a very Americanized uh, young lady, what is the reception like for you when you go over to Korea? It's, you know, generally pretty awesome. Um, you know, I, I've been on tour, you know, I'm, I'm finishing my 19th season on tour and I've been to Korea, you know, so many times over the years and have played in events in Korea, have played in, you know, I think maybe two, KLPGA events over there and if you're a golf nut especially in Korea you know who all of the Korean and Korean American players are um, you know going kind of along the lines of all this sort of um, 
you know, this internet trolling and all of this crap that, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, like cyberbullying, this, that. I'm like, sweetheart, I've been getting death threats on, um, you know, like f- through some Korean chat forums for well over a decade. Like, and uh, on occasion, you'll meet the people that are writing all these things about you and to you and what they want to do to you. You meet them in real life and they're just like... How, how do you... How, like they... T- Wait, wait, hold on. They they say, hey, I'm the, you know, anonymous troll user. Like, how do you know those are the people? They will say, Christina, it's, well, that's the thing. They're like, Christina, it's so nice to meet you. Can you sign this? Can you sign that? I'm such a huge fan of yours. I follow you on this and that, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, I've, I, I'm, I'm a netizen, which is what they say. And they say, I've written, I've written about you a bunch. And I'm like, oh, really? Like what? And then they would say, oh, well, you know, I've written on this website or that website. And, I'm, you know, I, I've been notified over the years on some of the things that have been written about me. And I'm just like, oh, you're the one that wrote that I should be like basically um, tarred and feathered and quartered. OK, cool. But they're super, you know, it's that, so for me, I'm just like, you know, I don't give a shit what anyone's online persona is like hurt people hurt people so i don't really care so when people complain about like you know these bullies and like cyber this and that i'm just like sweetheart get over it that's not what they're going to say if they really meet you it's maybe maybe one out of a hundred and and well i mean there's a certain amount of trolling that just comes with public life but this seems more personal and is it just because you're so americanized is that what is that what their beef is for the most part? Yeah, sometimes it's because simply because I was born in the U.S. And I'm just like, well, I, you are aware that I had no say in that. There there might be <laughs> exactly. someone else that you want to take up that issue with. But I, I don't know, you know, and, and, and yeah, people are like, oh, my God, you're so loud and you're so brash. You're, you know, you're ugly, you're fat, you're old, you're this, you're that. And I'm just like, dude, I don't care what you think. Like. I've said some horrible shit to myself over the years. So there's truly nothing you can say that would really affect me unless you could come across some like super dark, deep personal shit that I've never told anyone. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, I mean, hurt people hurt people. And if they're just like, wow, she's really loud. I don't like that. That means I don't like her. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you're basically, you know, I've been living in, uh, you know, to an extent the the in a different way but the polarization of the u.s just based on politics like i've been living that i've been i'm i'm old to that game you know like that ain't nothing new and the 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 loud the the critique that you're too loud i mean is that a cultural thing where um they you know in in korea they want they want their women to be just a little more traditional and that sort of thing or is is it is it something something beyond that i mean some do and some don't and some don't care i i i don't know i mean it's i you, you can't sit here and generalize an entire population of people based off of something you know that one other person does you know there are some people that are like i love how exuberant you are i love all the colors that you wear i love the fact that you voice your opinion and then there are other people that are like you need to calm your titties you know it's it's just like how it is everywhere in the world and times are changing as well society is changing The, the, the culture clash stuff does interest me because i remember you know you and i talking years ago and there was some some kind of low rumblings on tour that 
the players coming over from the KLPGA maybe had a more liberal view of the rule book, shall we say, and that um, and the KLPGA or just that had grown up, you know, in basically born and raised in Korea and then came to the U.S. to play when they were probably, you know, late teens. I can't I can't speak to their um, where they'd play their tournament golf, but just just players of Korean background. And I mean, this I think in the Asian tour on the men's side, there's always been a little more of a liberal interpretation. And it's like, well, it's a little more like an, in traditional sports where if you can fudge it a little bit and the opponent doesn't know, it's probably okay. Which of course is not the, the general attitude of golf, but you know, that it was Asian tour where VJ Singh got in trouble and got suspended for a year for his rules and fractions. And um, it just seems like maybe there's a, you know, it's not an old golfing nation and there's a possibly a, a little difference in, in how they, they look at the, the sanctity of the rule book. Am, am I onto something there? Not from my perspective. I can think of a handful <laughs> of players over the years that have come from, I can think of one player, two players from Korea, one player from China, one maybe from Chinese Taipei, a couple of Europeans. Uh, over the years, there have been, you know, talks about a handful of Americans. So I don't really know where you're coming from. Uh, you may want to change that to players from the Asian continent and not necessarily from Korea, because I can, I can only think of two instances in my entire career that I've heard rumblings about involving Korean players. Haven't ever heard anything about any players from Japan. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I yeah. appreciate you fact-checking uh, this. It's, it's I, and I could topic, be wrong. But... I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily pay that much attention to that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and this is going back years when I used to give a shit about that kind of stuff um, where I would actually talk about other people. But no, I mean, I, I, I've heard a handful of things from like, you know, in the last 40 years about, you know, a couple of those quote unquote crazy old American broads. Um, but yeah, I mean, these days and, and generally in, in terms of, you know, the culture, I mean, dignity and, and honor and respect are, are huge in um, in Korea and all throughout Asia and many parts of the world in general. So I, uh, I don't necessarily know there, there could be a difference between a, uh, like a little bit of liberation with interpreting the rules versus just a lack of awareness and lack of knowledge, I think, um, mm -hmm. in that sense, because like you said, it, golf is still a very young sport in, um, you know, over in Asia in comparison to America, comparison to Australia, and then obviously in comparison to um, Scotland, the UK, Europe in general. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes you try and work on the physicality of everything first, and then you start to learn, you know, oh, like, don't do that. It's, it's similar to like the first time you bowl or the first few times you bowl or however many times you bowl. And they're just like, oh, no, your toe's not supposed to cross that line, you know, when you when you bowl your ball or whatever it is you know or when you're <laughs> serving in tennis and it's like no you're not supposed to when you're serving you're not supposed to cross that that you know that back line whatever that line's called yeah interesting i, I was just curious um 
So last time we talked, you were embarking on some swing changes. I've I've seen some of your posts on on social where you're getting into the nitty gritty about your your trail heel and and some of the, some of the finer points. But where where do you feel in in that process, and and how much longer do you think it'll take to sort of bake in? Well, seeing how I've had that, like I call it sort of like an Elvis shimmy with my right hip thrusting out and. I think it's so it's actually my hip that kicks forward its early extension as opposed to my me just coming up on my toes on my trail foot. So it's something that I've done probably since I was 12. So it's taken me 25 years to get to this point. So Lord only <laughs> knows how long it's going to take to take to get it out. Um, but it has reduced a significant amount. Um, and it was just like a, a number of things, like even in the last couple of days, it was that like that realization of like, holy shit, like I've been, you know, off and on throughout the year, I've been using the the George Gankis G box, which I, you know, I think is actually a, it's a very useful, um, gadget, but I was using sounds, it. Honestly, it sounds kind of naughty. Carry on. G box, silly, the Gankis box. Um, I've been using it not in the most correct way. And as a result of that, I have ended up over rotating on my way back in the backswing. And so as opposed to having like, you know, 45 ish degrees of hip turn, I was like closer to 70 <laughs> and my wow. shoulders were like well past a hundred. And I'm like, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman. It's like, I, I've gotten a lot stronger, but I don't think there's any amount of strength that would be able to get me to whip everything back to square um, from such a large and huge turn back. And so that kind of like sort of domino effect into everything. So I'm sort of feeling like I'm just hitting little half shots with just my arms. And like, I'll take a look at my videos and I'm like, God damn, like you're still getting like 45 degrees of hip turn. Um, so it's just sort of relearning where the parameters and the boundaries of my swing are but you know I'm, I'm getting the ability to uh, get better on plane turn my hands over a little bit every now and again I nut the ball which is mm -hmm. awesome and uh, you know sort of like unexpected um, but no I mean everything's feeling really good and I'm in a good place mentally so I'm really excited and I'm like oh Plus, you know, it's like, you know, we're nearing the end of the season as opposed to last year where we played up until almost Christmas. We're back to our, you know, quote unquote, regularly scheduled programming where the season ends right before Thanksgiving. And so I'm like, that gives me months to be able to really hone this down. And I was uh, having a conversation with my caddy, Todd, and um, he was like, you know, one thing I kind of noticed, because when I'm on these like four week stretches and things like that, like you try and like minimize the amount of time you're on the range and the minimize the amount of time you're on the golf course so you can sort of you know you don't want to be you don't want to spread yourself too thin he's like when you have time off and you get a good amount of time to actually just practice you come out swinging so like and I've always loved to practice so I'm like why am I doing something that you know quote-unquote people say you should do as opposed to just doing the things that I enjoy and doing the things that I want to do I'm like I if I want to spend three hours on the range I'm going to spend three hours on the range. Like if, if anybody else has got a problem with that, that's fine. Cause this is not your life to live. So who, I'm, who I'm sort of free. Well, you know, it's like, people are just like, Oh my God, don't you think you're, you're, you know, 
don't you want to save your body or don't you think you're practicing too much or you know are you going to have enough energy um you know for the actual tournament and i'm like dude i'm like 60 plus pounds less of me with every movement that i'm taking i have plenty of energy you know and and um so it's yeah it's just a you know it's just a constant it's a moving target as todd says when it comes to the swing when it comes to the realization of what works for me when it comes to the realization of just like life so if you remember um i had uh, found uh religion with a big towering butter cut after hitting one bucket of balls before heading to band mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. it lasted not well. It lasted about nine holes. Like we played Sheep Ranch first, and did you play Sheep when you were there? I can't remember. No, no. I only played. I only played Dunes and um, uh, and and Pacific Trails. Yeah, um, Pacific Dunes. Sorry, Pacific sorry, Dunes, Band yeah. and Pacific Dunes. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, the OGs. Well, Sheep Ranch is is pretty wide open off the tee for the mm-hmm. most part, and somehow I hit it into like every gorse bush and ravine <laughs> on the front nine it was uncanny it was the, just so sad and so then i was like you know what i'll just go back to not a dr- single bunker though yeah well yeah thank you <laughs> and um always on the bright side ck and so anyway i went back to, to playing a draw and i played better every single day in the last round at um at Bandon, i really played well and um, nice yeah me and uh, my partner lazar salas we um you know we we have there's the, there's the running total and then there's there's the daily total and so both at, at Pack Dunes, uh, which is obviously a challenging golf course, and at, at Band, mm. uh, we got the so-called day cheddar for uh, finishing in the top four that day. And, uh, that was that was needed. It was a, a good morale boost. I, I think our our last two rounds, our team score was like second among everybody, but we just we got off to a bad start. You know, it was Laz's first time at on the trip and it banded and I was, mm-hmm. I was, he was playing naked a few times too many. And, uh, because of my crappy driving of the, the golf ball. But anyway, it was, it was a lesson there. You just, you gotta, you are who you are. And if you're going to try and make a significant change, like you need to give yourself time. And I, I didn't, absolutely. I didn't really do that. So, but you know, it's, I, yeah, it was, it was funny. It was, I mean, people are like, how's the cut going? I was like, it's gone. It's history. It's been retired. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, because I, um, like, truth be told, like, right before you left, I was, like, and I do this, like, at least once a week anyway, ever since having been to Bandon, I check the weather at Bandon, and I check the extended forecast, and you came in right, let's see, you came in on Sunday, so you came in right at the tail end of that um, northwestern bomb cyclone is that yeah, what it's yeah, called we got some of that so, and you you dealt with rain and you dealt with like some serious wind because todd was telling me like he's like yeah like my windows are rattling and he lives like a nine iron away from the sheep ranch right i remember yeah i've seen his house um yeah it was we actually came in on monday and our um mm. And that was a crazy travel day. We were, so drove to SFO, which is two hours away, and then flew into uh, North Bend, mm-hmm. which is the cl- closest airport to Bend, and it's only about 40 minutes away. And we were on our descent, and it was like, couldn't, I had a window, so you couldn't see anything. It was so soupy. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like, got just a little glimpse of the water. It's like, oh, man, we're, we're close to landing. Uh, we, I don't know, four or 500 feet up, if that, and going down fast. 
and then you know the pilot hits the gas we start climbing it's like oh that's not good and he's like oh visibility's deteriorated you know can't make a safe landing we're going to assess our options but all of a sudden we started pointing south like there was no circling I guess we didn't really have enough gas to circle and go back to San Francisco. So he just, he just hightailed it all the way back to San Francisco. And so, <gasps> um, and then we had to sit around and catch a flight to Eugene. And then as you know, two and a half hour party bus, like door to door is 15 hours, which can happen with Bandit. But I mean, I oh could have flown to Melbourne, God. Australia in the same amount of time. <laughs> it's like, right? I know it this is, I've gotten hung up at North Bend Airport a few times, and this is this is kind of the last time. I'm just going to go in Eugene from now on because not only is North Bend right on the water, like right on the water, it's a, apparently it's a fairly short runway, and so there's mm-hmm. there's just no room for error or for farting around, and so um, they have to take extra precautions when it comes to wind and visibility. So uh, <laughs> that was such a drag, but. I was traveling with with basically five other guys who were part of the trip, and it just it just became an extension of the trip. We went back to SFO, I think had three bottles of wine while we were waiting for the, the flight to Eugene. You get on the party bus, it's well stocked. You know, it was like, all right, here we go. And um, it would have been really sad to do it on your own, but if if you have, it just became the beginning <laughs> of the trip essentially. And it was a wild year. I mean, people because of COVID, because of the American Airlines stuff, because of Southwest, like all these issues. Um, we had we had a bunch of problems um, getting in and getting out, but uh, you know that's just all part of the banding experience. I mean, there's just no easy way to do it unless you have a PJ. You're, you're going to have to be prepared for um, a little bit of a battle, and it's honestly part of the, the whole vibe because the people are high maintenance and who can only ride in a cart and who you know need this, that, or the other. Like it's a self-selecting audience. They they don't wind up at Bandon, you know. They wind up at Myrtle Beach or somewhere else. And and so like the people right. at Bandon Dunes are pretty hardcore, and they're sort of your fellow travelers, right? And uh, so uh, I don't know. It's just it it is. It's almost like a badge of honor. How long did it take you to get there? Oh, twelve hours. Oh, it took me fifteen. You know, wah wah wah. And uh, but anyway, so yeah, we did our first. So we played we played the preserve in the afternoon on Tuesday to kind of kick things off, which is such a nice way to ease into the week and. It, we got pelted for about 15 minutes, like just drenched. But after that, it was, it was pretty mild. I mean, it, the forecast just got better and better. I played in short sleeves a couple of times and wore rain gear once, didn't really need it. And um, so it was, it turns out that actually, you know, we used to go in July and it was always really windy, like steady 20 miles an hour. And mm-hmm. we just never let up from 8 a.m. until, you know, 8 p.m. And as it turns out in this, this, you know, late October, when we've gone the last three years, much less wind and it certainly makes it more playable and it's helped some of the, the higher handicappers, like the, the guy who won it this year, uncle Bill, he's an 18, he's 80 years old and he shot his age twice, you know, cause oh. he, he hits oh. it straight and he plays on the up tees. And if there's no wind, he's like, he's got, a, he's got great hands and he gets it around very, very, uh, adroitly. So, um, it's been interesting to see the difference. I mean, even though you can get just kicked in the teeth in the wind, it's, it's, I actually prefer it that way because you have to play all these different shots and all these knockdowns and mm-hmm. there's so many do or die swings. Um, and without the wind, there's not that same sense of drama, but it's certainly more forgiving and a little more playable. So, um, which in my own life I need, but as, as a, as a purist, you know, I, I kind of miss the wind. So, uh, anyway, it, it was, it was a hell of a trip. I mean, 
I won't bore the listeners with too much play-by-play, but it's just imagine like getting 28 guys together who are all good to great to amazing at golf and then just an awesome collection of personalities and walking that fine line between like being really competitive and trying really hard but not not taking it so seriously that like you you forget the point of the whole thing which is the camaraderie and the hang i mean it, it's 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 incredible you know group that size but we just we have so much fun and uh it, uh it was really it was a, it was a fantastic week so like the the band and blues are a real thing like our our group that is still popping off because everyone's like missing it and and the um just the the fellowship but also the um you know when you're there it's like you can turn your brain off everything's laid out every tea time's been booked a year in advance all the meals are uh there's nothing to decide if we're going to this restaurant this night you know and it's like you just sort of you're on a conveyor belt it takes you the whole week without having to think and then you get back to your real life and it's like a bit more complicated as we all know so um yeah it's it's an adjustment for sure <laughs> well at at least you're now coming into working on your book with a clean slate you know you able to go and have some fun yeah. go and be able to just you know let some steam off and now surely i'm i'm sure that you're just rocking to go to finish that last 15% of the book, I'm going to guess. Not even. So actually today I, I finished, um, I finished oh, nice. a huge chapter I've been working on for three weeks. And, um, even that I was, I did peck away a little bit, Holy cow. especially on the travel day. Um, but even I would get in bed mm. and I was like, oh, I'll just write a few paragraphs and then like an hour and a half later. Um, but, um, so yeah, that was huge. I mean, I'm basically, I'm up to the point of the 2021 PG championship that, you know, obviously is a huge week Holy for Phil. Shit. So I'm, I'm right here and I'm either on the last chapter or there, there'll be, you know, a kind of whole chapter about that victory. And then maybe, um, kind of a little afterward, it'll cover the Ryder cup and some other miscellaneous things. But I mean, I'm, I'm right there. It's all, that was only a few months ago. So like, I'm, I'm probably on mile 25 of a marathon at this point. And, I got, I got metaphorical blisters and cramps and <laughs> tightness. I might have nipples are bleeding. A few broken limbs, you know. I'm bleeding, but I'm I'm still I'm still moving forward. So, um, yeah, no, it, you're right. It it was a great just mental reset and um, not really physical because I mean we, we were going hard between the golf and the dice games and all the substances you imbibe and the, the late night BS sessions. I mean, I don't think I didn't go to bed before one o'clock any night. And last night was, we went mm-hmm. to the labyrinth at one o'clock uh, in, in the forest, you know, using little flashlights. And so I'm still down a little sleep, but definitely mentally and emotionally refreshed. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, um, and that's part of it. You know, you you can go on these golf trips, if, even if it's not abandoned, you know, you have to kind of push yourself to, to do it all because it's like really, I mean, it's my, it's my one vacation all year. Cause if I take my, my kids somewhere, it's fun and it's a vacation for them, but it's like, I'm doing all the work and I'm the pack mule and I'm the, I'm the chaperone and the concierge and the, the tour bus driver. And so it, it's fun, but it's not a vacation either. So it's like, I definitely treasure the, the time in Bandon. Yeah. Plus you need Alan time. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I know I'm, I'm bad at that. that. That's, I keep saying when I finish this book, that's a sign of a good yeah, dad, I guess. But, um, when I, I keep, that's my fantasy life is I'm going to finish this book and then 
I can actually make time for some other things, including, you know, self care, <laughs> but we'll see some, something else is always around the bend. <laughs> so whatever, but, um, it's going to, it's going to feel great. I mean, the book's due December 1st and I'm just going to sleep all, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it in, God. you know, at 11:59. I'm going to sleep all day on the first and the second and probably the third and then I'll resume life. But, uh, it's definitely, I'm also going to miss it. Like it's, you know, there's going to be a void because it's all I think about. It's all I even like on one of, one of my flights home, we were on this little puddle jumper as it turned out and I, I didn't get a great seat. And so I couldn't physically type, you know, there just wasn't enough space. And so I didn't even try, but <sighs> I, I just sat there for an hour thinking about the last few chapters and, and, and working on them in my brain and how I want to structure them. And I came up with like the last sentence of the book. Like, so even when I'm not physically typing, I'm thinking about it and it's on my mind and it, it haunts my dreams. And I've had so many freaking dreams about Phil Mickelson and Jim McKay and assorted other characters, like in the most random things We're bumping into them at Trader Joe's and like, you know, in my dreams, not in reality and just like the most mundane things. I should actually keep a journal because it's so funny, but it's like, you know, I probably know more about Phil at this point than even Phil knows. Like I'm sure he's forgotten a lot of this stuff and um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a weird, it's not voyeuristic. I don't know what the, the word is, but it's like to really write a biography of one human, like you have to have an almost obsessive desire to know everything and, and an ability to recall, like as I'm, I'm going through interview notes and so, something like, catches my eyes like oh that's perfect for chapter six you know i know like oh yeah 1995 mm -hmm. there was that little thing that happened i can just drop it in right there like it's like almost a sickness how well you know this person's life and career so i can't wait to just, like, just turn my brain off in that regard that's gonna be a delight oh i'm so <laughs> excited for you that is going to be it's it's going to be so liberating and so fulfilling because you've been, this has been your baby for the last, what, six, uh, I mean, off and on yeah, for years, yeah. really. And, you know, you're, you're, you're shipping it off to college. <laughs> exactly. You're going to be an, you're going to be a literary <laughs> empty nester. And that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's true, but in that in that metaphor, I, I can always adopt another baby and, and raise it. So it's like I don't, I don't think I'm done, done, but I'm definitely gonna take a break. But then it's crazy because I, I, or you know, yeah, get a dog yeah, or a, a cat. Literary, yeah, a literary <laughs> metaphorically. Um, and then I, I think we've talked about this, but it's been a while. So I actually have a book coming out in April and a book coming out in May. So the the Mickelson bio will drop in May, and then in April there's this this book I've been working on for five years. I mean, it's done now. We're just, we're finalizing the cover and stuff, but, um, it's a friend I made through golf here, a guy named, uh, Jack Grancolis and just absolute sweetheart, good player, just a fun guy to be around. And once I got to know him, he, you know, I learned his story, which is his, um, pregnant college sweetheart was on United 93. And, um, I know oh, it's, Jesus. it's a crazy story. Her name was Lauren and they'd been trying for 10 years to get pregnant and, uh, finally did. And it was a secret and, um, her beloved grandmother had died. So she went back East for the funeral. And at the end, you know, she told, uh, all her family about the pregnancy to kind of lift everyone's spirits. And she was the kind of person who was always late to the airport, but, um, happened to get there early at, to Newark 
and walked on to a flight that wasn't hers. She, she was booked on a flight that was an hour after United 93, but she was there. The flight was mostly empty, and so they, they, they put her on the, on the plane. And there's a lot of people like that. As I've, as, you know, there was, there was only 44 people aboard United 93, including the, um, the pilots and, and, mm-hmm. and the um, flight attendants. I don't include the, the hijackers in that count, but a good percentage of them weren't booked on that flight. Mm. They either walked on early like she did, or they'd been on a, a, they were supposed to go the day before and had had issues and got rebooked. And it's just like the, um, the vagaries of, of fate. And, um, so anyway, so th- this book is, you know, it's Jack's whole experience and it's in his voice. I, and, you know, we talked for years, I just recorded it and, and just kind of organized it and, and into a, a whole narrative. And, I mean, it's a beautiful book. You know, his his love story with, with Lauren is really sweet. There's, um, you know, some self-help elements as he kind of digs himself out of this incredibly deep, dark hole and, and, and how he got through it. And um, there's some really some really beautiful um, things that happened to him along the way. And, and it has a happy ending because he got remarried recently. And, you know, um, his his bride, Sarah, is awesome. And, and just how they kind of fought through everything, not only all of Jack stuff, but Sarah's too. And, and, um, you know, she has a line about like, I always thought I was mm-hmm. looking for a perfect man, but well, what I realized is that, you know, we're all imperfect and, you know, the beauty is getting, you know, getting through it together and, and help each other being the best we can be. And, um, so, uh, it, it's really an emotional moving, um, book. It's called, um, uh, like a river to the sea their their jack and, and lauren's first um date oh. in college was a u2 concert and that's you know one of the lyrics from um from one tree hill that song and i, I won't spoil too much because but but bono and u2 they they, they kind of weave through the book in, in different ways um and there's kind of a whole magical thing that happens to jack and um so that that's what kind of inspired the name but um and it was, it was that the book was actually going to come out in September, but, um, Jack started feeling uneasy because it was so much attention around the 20th anniversary of nine 11. And, um, he just felt like I right. he didn't want to have anyone think he was trying to, you know, cash in or capitalize or whatever on, on, on this momentous anniversary. Mm-hmm. So we bumped it to April, which would have been uh, the birth month of, of their child. And, uh, he felt, he just felt like that was, you know, kind of a oh, nice God. tribute. And, um, uh, so anyway, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a in very intense spring with these two very different um, books coming out and uh, all that that entails. But it's it's been it's been quite a ride uh, working on both of them. Holy shit, yeah, that is heavy. It is. I mean, it it is, but it wow. the, the thing that's amazing about Jack is he has such a zest for life and. Um, he's really mm-hmm. an inspiring guy. Uh, th- this is the, this won't spoil anything. But this is the afterwards. So the book's done. Jack and Sarah married. It's like, okay, you know, it, everything's smooth sailing. And during COVID, he had some friends over for dinner. They sat in the backyard to be outdoors and uh, foggy night in Pebble Beach. He got this big fire going and they sat around the fire and all the, it was three other guys and they were, they offered to bring all their stuff into the house, all their dishes and whatever. And, uh, Jack says, no, no, I'll take care of it. You know, and didn't really want them to go into the house and whatever. And, um, so they, they take off and he, he gathers up all the, the plates and the dishes and the glasses in one big armful. And as he's willing to go into the house, he like bangs his shin on one of the, the chairs and it hurts like heck. So he goes to sit down on, 
on kind of this wide lip of the fire pit and he misjudges it and he falls straight back into this roaring fire and he's his arms are like pinned at his side he's like a turtle on its back and he can't get out his, his clothes go up in flames then his skin's on fire and he just he thought that was the end i mean he actually said like you know lauren you know show me the white light like that was that was his his bride who, who died on 993 and um some some force propelled him out of the uh out of the out of the fire like he felt like someone grabbed him by the back of his, his neck and um he had burns on like 20 percent of his body he was in the he had three surgeries in the icu for 33 days i believe i mean just incredible near-death experience and um and you know this is this is all in the book but he's like you know some people probably think i'm the unluckiest guy in the world he's like but I've been through two horrific tragedies and I still love life and I still see the best in people. And, um, and he's back playing golf, you know, he got all the skin grafts and he's doing great. And it's just, he's a really inspiring person. And, um, yeah, there's, there's so many touches to this, this book that, that seem like unreal or just cinematic. And, um, I'm looking forward to people reading it because it's quite an emotional story in every way. Early and, um, edition, please. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'll send you. I'll send you the bound galleys. This will be out, oh you know, relatively soon. But so yeah, it's there's there's been a lot going on. Also, you know, in all of this, we we launched the Fire Pit Collective, mm-hmm. and it's just like I'm juggling, juggling, juggling. But it's fun. It's all great stuff, and it's all exciting, and uh, it's meaningful and satisfying, and all that. But <laughs> that's know. beautiful, man. Yeah. No, there. I haven't even. I, I'll, another as we when we get closer, I'll tell you. There, there's a story that even when I tell it, the the hairs go up on my arm. Like even though I've told it ten, twenty times now, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And it's kind of the heart. It's sort of the centerpiece of the book in some ways. And um, but it's it's a long story to do it justice. But it's uh, yeah. There's there's a lot there. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So. March, April, May is going to be going to be action packed around here. That's well, we'll fucking awesome. That is <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome, and dude. I'm sure next next time you come this way, like we'll go out and play. I mean, Jack loves to take. He's a member at Monterey Peninsula, and uh, he, you know he's a great host. He's just super fun to play with, and he's a good player. I mean, he met he met Lauren at at University of Texas because he he was a very, uh, very good junior golfer and had a spot on the freshman team back then. Oh, he was a freshman team and you could you'd work your way up to varsity. And he was there when, you know, the Randall Chambly, Mark Brooks, Lance Tenbrock era, you know, when Texas what? was really cranking. Yeah. But after a year, Jack realized those guys were kind of a different level and he just wanted to have a fun college experience. So he, he stopped chasing it, but uh, he can play. And that's awesome. Uh, even, I know. Even despite, you know, all the, that happened to his body and, in the fire he's he could still hit it so yeah you'll get yeah, we'll have to we'll have to run it back at monterey and uh absolutely uh, yeah for sure so holy <laughs> anyway. cow um, i know so what's what's next for you you're not in korea so what can we look forward to uh well the lpga is off this week and then it's the pelican women's championship and because of the fact that we are still going 
off of the 2019 priority list. And it's there's there's some stuff happening. Like I I think that as of right now bottom full stop I'm first alternate for the Pelican Women's Championship. And there's a chance that I'll get in the field and there's a chance I might have to do a Monday qualifier. So I'll see you guys in two weeks because I I if I ain't talking next week, I gotta I gotta hunker down and get my shit sorted. Um, and I'm also <laughs> yeah, 98th in points for CME top 100 keep their card. So there's a lot riding on this next week because I'm 98th. Annie Park is 99th. She's in the tournament. Nicole Brock Larson is 100. She's in the tournament. 101 is Stephanie Meadow. She was one of the last wow. in the tournament. And 102 is Pernilla Lindbergh. So if I don't end up in the field, then I have to do the Monday qualifier. And if I don't do the Monday qualifier, my entire 2022 is out of my hands until the possibility wow. of me having to go back to Q series. Fun. Wow. <laughs> it's just incredible how an entire year or years of professional golf can come down to one tournament, one round, one putt. I mean, that's the drama of it. And for sure. It, I will, I will admit there is some bullshittery about it because it's a field of one Oh eight and they're still going off of the priority that top 80 from 2019 get into the field yeah. and there are girls and I love them all. And, you know, this is the way that the LPGA's done it. And I'm not here to, like, complain. But this was just something that I was like, wow. Like, especially after witnessing it, there's, you know, I, I don't know, half a dozen, at least half a dozen girls that are, oh, God, no. There's more than half a dozen girls that are behind me in the CME points that are in based on how they played in 2019. And a handful of them played like doo-doo if they played at all in 2020, whereas I played my way into CME last year. And again, it's a field of 108. It just and it's like not just couldn't... going off of current year's points list. Because yeah. I think that would have been amazing because then it would give it more of a playoff style yeah. kind of ending to the season. But well, find, find some we're not there right that, now. Yeah, some kind of formula that, that not you know tips its cap to 19 and, and 20, but weights it heavier to 21. Like... It just—it doesn't seem like the most creative way to fill out a field to go off results that are that moldy. Correct, and I will say, in the defense of the LPGA, we—I mean, you know, everything for for the last several years, you know, prior to the pandemic, was you played Asia, and then you know maybe we'd play in Mexico when we had the Loreno Ochoa Invitational presented by Banamex, and then we would go into <laughs> the CME Championship. So the last five, last six events of the season were limited field. So this is the first time that we've really had to deal with this, um, with Q Series having come back. And yeah, there are, are a, a a few girls that had to go to second stage, whether it was last week or the week before. But they're in the tournament this week and they could and and I know of at least one girl who went to Q series, did not pass Q series, but she's in this week. And if she makes the cut, gets into the top 150, that gets her straight into um, Q series finals. Wow. Which is uh, there's it's it's yeah it's my, my it's, brain my brain hurts. <laughs> yeah, it's like... yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, it's. 
again, this isn't something that we've really had to deal with before. And then, you know, this was a date that the tournament wanted. So, you know, it's, again, like these are all things that are, you know, out of my control. So all I can do is just sit there, see if I get in. If I don't get in come Monday morning, I'm going to go and do the Monday qualifier and do my absolute damnedest to get into the field that way. And then once the season's over, I'll be able to, you know, give Molly a call and be like, you're new, so we haven't really had a chance to talk, but let me run something by you real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Have you had, have you had much conversation with her? I've, I've had two talks with her, but they were both very, very brief. Um, I had a chat with her in Portland and then I had a chat with her in at the Cognizant Founders Cup, but you know, she's, she's being pulled in every direction. I was being pulled in every direction. So it was just, you know, I just kind of came in and was like, you know, I'll be your cheerleader. Like, please don't quit. We'll get through this together and (laughs) expect to get a lot of text messages from me. Oh, like during the beginning of the pandemic, the first few months, the uh, Mike Wan, Vicky Getz Ackerman, which is the LPGA player body president, um, Heather Daly, Donna Frio, who was like our senior of like top exec of communicate or she's I forget she's something she's like a, she's our C something O and Roberta Bowman who is our C M O or CCO I would send them video messages I would record on my phone and be like you're doing great thank you so much I know we're not seeing each other right now and I don't know when we'll see each other but please don't give up and please for the love of God don't quit I'm <laughs> so sorry thank you and I'm sorry thank you for everything you guys have done for us and I'm sorry you guys are having to deal with it <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Now we're, I guess, we're a year and a half deep, going on, going to come up on twenty two months. Years, yeah, of the pandemic, and it still is a factor. I mean, and so we started we started basketball practice for for Carmel High girls mm-hmm. hoop, and you know the girls have to wear masks in practice. Like basketballs, there's a lot of exertion. The, supposedly it's going to get revisited in the next few weeks and our, 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 you know, we're hearing from our principal that that's, that we're going to be able to practice and play without masks. But can you imagine playing wow. basketball in a mask? Like I want to, I want to, I want to do full court press. Like it's, um, it's just, I remember thinking when this all started, well, this is going to be, you know, a couple months of inconvenience. Like, and it's yeah. just, it's so fundamentally altered everything. And we're, we're still, still, still dealing with it. But that's a different podcast. But the, anyway, yeah. The CDC uh, did just uh, announce that they are going to allow uh, authorization for children 5 to 11 to get the vaccine. So while I think it's only a quarter of parents say that they are willing and able to vaccinate their kids, their young kids right away, even if we just get those 25%, I think that's going to be huge because we, we still, I mean, you know, these, these little, these little guys are just vectors for viruses and germs in general, you know? So, and they're, you know, they're, they're technically the most resilient, I think in general against the virus, but they're the ones that, you know, I mean, they touch everything. So it's not that hard to pass things along. So, yeah, no, it's more about protecting their teachers and their grandparents and stuff. But, um, Protecting the entire community. Yeah, without a doubt. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just interesting. So anyway, we digress. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's affecting your status on tour, it, all of it. It's like, it, it's just, it's... Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You're, I, I, you're... And the last thing I'd ever want to do is have four girls, several of which are good friends of mine, and want them to miss the cut. Like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. In so many ways. I know. I, yeah, it, it's an awkward position. I, I mean, you can't play defense. Whatever happens, happens. You'll roll with it, but... Um... Mm-hmm. I I have no doubt you'll pull a rabbit out of your hat if you need to, Christina. Like it's if the if the golf gods exist, if the universe makes any sense, like you'll you'll get in a pelican, you'll play great, and all that stuff will fade away. So that's my most sincere. Whatever wish. happens, happens. Yeah. Thank I, you. <laughs> I feel that. All right. Well, we should probably release our listeners, but um, as always, yes. it's fun to catch up. I respect you being on your grind next week. I think it's okay if we go every other week at this time of the season when things are slowing down and we'll kind of slide into the, the yeah. off season, but um, I'm not going anywhere. Neither are you. We've got lots to talk about. So Yeah, uh, for sure. And this works out well because this way we've got this coming week, you know, if we go bi-weekly, we've got this coming week that I'm just going to be focused on my own shit and then we'll be able to do, you know, something during the week of CME and then we're going to have Thanksgiving. We ain't going to chat during the week of Thanksgiving. Come on. It's family time, you know, so I think going bi-weekly during the off season will be good because we're going to have a lot of stuff going, but I'm going to give you an extra hour every, you know, 13 days to be able to get you to go just a little bit farther along with the book. So you definitely make that deadline. Oh, and um, I respect that. Yeah. I mean, literally every hour yeah. matters to me. In fact, I was having... An, every minute matters. Yeah. I was having a little texting with my my eldest daughter i was like well you you need to go pick up your your, your brother and sister she's like i don't want to i got plans I said, listen i am under a crushing deadline this gives me an hour to type go pick them up and that's what's paying for you know the food on the table and the gas in the car so get your butt over there and i mean i was slightly more polite. and the car yeah and the car and the insurance and the new tires so yeah i mean and your life her, her very existence uh so <laughs> and I got a, I got a ton done in that one hour. Actually, I think I was like hyper focused. Like I got to make this hour count, you know. So absolutely, uh, you know, you're right. It's incredible what you can get done in an hour if you if you really if you really grinding. So anyway, all right. Well, it's always fun, Christina. Appreciate your time, and uh, um, I'm looking forward to uh, full reports out of Florida. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, uh, last minute, huge shout out to Lucas Herbert for winning the tournament in bermuda what a performance that was awesome yeah i mean oh my god he's he's such a lad he's a great kid honestly he lives he lives here in orlando when he's in the states he's awesome i want like a feature-length documentary about the bermuda championship like so much craziness happened with you know defending champ getting bumped off his flight practice rounds washed out rain sideways guys putting the ball off the green with regularity i mean in some ways it was the best tournament of the year because it was so nutty and then it looked like patrick reed was gonna sneak in and steal it which would have just been like so mm-hmm. perfect so shout out it to would have been so fitting and yeah. it was it it was it 
was it John Knows, K-N-O-U-S, who was able to retain, I think he was in his last yeah. Uh, last tournament on his uh, medical medical, ex me yeah. medical exemption, and then he had to finish like solo sixty seventh or better, and yeah. then he finished what like in the thirties or something like that, yeah, and regained full status on Corn Ferry, and then maintained some status uh, conditionally on the PGA Tour. Like yeah, that was a, that's huge. It was a huge story, and he got off to a horrible start. Like he made like some crazy number of bogeys on his front nine to start the tournament, and he just kept fighting. I mean, it was yeah, his interview. You know, you could barely speak. Like that's really. Of course, we love the stars and we love the action at the top of the world ranking. We love the majors and that kind of defines the season. But and, you know, my colleague uh, Ryan French, Monday Q Info, has, has helped shine a humongous spotlight on all of this, that the real human drama and the real tension and the real triumphs and tragedies are the guys on the margins. And it's always been that way. But. I think finally, you know, fans, reporters, and the golf world at large is a little more focused on that, those struggles. And it's quite dramatic and satisfying. And and now, I mean, when someone is in a position like Jimmy Hardkay, like the whole golf world pays attention and it's super cool. And so you have what's happening at the top of the leaderboard and you have what's happening at the bottom of the leaderboard. And it makes it a lot more compelling uh, in, in, a, in a lot of different no ways. Doubt. So it's it's been a welcome development in the kind of just the way the way people consume professional golf so for sure for sure and hopefully i'll be able to add my own little chapter well, this coming i was week. thinking that i'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna i'm gonna send a note to ryan you know we'll, we'll get a little monday q action on on your your quest because um i mean he's told me in the past like he's he's never been ultra focused on the um, lpga and the symmetric tour and all that stuff but he's, he's starting to to really you know, pay closer attention so that this will be a good a good avenue in. So, I ain't answering shit till after the last putt drops on Sunday. No, I so. know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, he'll be watching. No <laughs> pressure, but the the maestro yeah. Mondays will be watching, Christina. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. I'm not gonna say a word to anybody until the CME points are tallied up. <laughs> That's absolutely the best. Which is very unlikely. Or unlike yeah, me, excuse it's me. Both actually. So, uh, all right, go do your thing. <laughs> Work at yeah, fairways. Awesome. And greens. We'll talk soon. Sounds all good, right. Alan. Yes, for sure. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening to yet another scintillating episode of Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. That's a wrap. Bye. Bye.